TCL is a proud sponsor of the videos. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I mean, I've done everything. Glenn Perkins. I've started, I've mopped up, I've closed. Glenn Perkins. We joke around and we have fun and he's different, he's unique. He seems like a guy that I'd like to have do it. It's me. It's Glenn Perkins on baseball. Sweet. Welcome to the Scoring Road Twins show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore are here with me. Uh, we're joined by a special guest right off the top of the show today. A uh, longtime friend of mine going back a few years. Uh, worked for another company, got a job, or, or moved over to ESPN. So that's his main gig. People don't know his side gig as a um, part-time model for Express uh, men's clothing. Uh, it's Jeff Passan. Jeff, thank you for joining us this morning. You didn't say underwear model, Perk. Like, you got to get the whole thing out there. I mean, if I'm going to be a model, i got to be an underwear model. It's, it's well-fitted suits and skinny ties. Are, <laughs> and then maybe some hair gel are, are the, the things Jeff Hassan is, is most known for. Um, I, I, was, I was telling Perk this earlier, and, and the kids are going to get a kick out of it. My son is 11 years old and plays on a baseball team, and there's one particularly smart-ass kid on the team who started calling me Coach Gel because I showed up after a TV hit and my hair was kind of shiny. And every kid on that freaking team now refers to me as Coach Gel, and I am forever scarred because of <laughs> that's, that. Is, that's so awesome. I, uh, Glenn, when's the last time you used hair gel, by the way? You know, I, I just make sure, like, that now that I'm a, uh, not as big of a TV star as, as Jeff, um, I just don't wash my hair the night before, so it kind of has a little bit of grease in it, and, and kind of just fluff it up. <laughs> the best so. way. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long time since I've used hair gel. So, Jeff, we wanted to bring you on. Uh, we, we, we love to, any, anything twins trade related, we are like rats to, to cheese, or whatever your analogy is. And so you, we saw your tweet yesterday. Yesterday morning about twins and giants and uh, and their discussions lately, and I believe I'm, I'm trying to pull this tweet up so I don't put reckless speculation into your timeline here. But I believe you said Will Smith is the main piece of discussion between the two teams, and Madison Bumgarner, the iron, not quite as hot. What can you tell us and Twins fans about Twins and Giants conversations or just Twins trade discussions in general? Well, there have been talks with the Giants in recent weeks. They've just been more focused on Smith than on Bumgarner. And, and here's the thing. I, I think that the Giants are playing Bumgarner a particular way. Like three, four weeks ago, they were engaging with teams saying, hey, you know, if you want to jump on this train early, we could get something done. It's going to cost you a little more because you're going to get an extra month of the guy. But uh, you know, you might as well because you're trying to win a division this year. And nobody bid at that. You know, the Twins were talking with them. The Braves were talking with them. Braves go out and sign Dallas Keuchel. And Twins have gotten pretty good pitching, I'd say, in the month of June. I mean, Barrios has been incredible. Odorizzi's been solid. Pineda's been better. Uh, Gibson's been good. Perez has fallen off, certainly. And uh, that that seems to be the spot where Bumgarner would fit in and fit in extraordinarily well. I, I expect before it's all said and done, the Twins will be back in on Bumgarner. But right now, their focus is on the bullpen. And and look, as good as Taylor Rogers has been um, and and as solid as, as Harper's been this year and, and Trevor May, you know, Ultimately, 
Like, they need a back end of the bullpen guy. I don't know if it needs to be a closer. They just need more high-leverage pitchers back there. And, look, I think the Twins are going to win the division, guys. I think the, the lead is big enough. The talent is strong enough. But this is a team that can be supplemented and augmented and get even better. And that's saying a lot considering how good they've been so far. Um, so, you know, obviously, I mean, I watch them, and they, they definitely need relief pitching. There's no question about that. Have you heard, so I, I heard a little traction on Ken Giles before he got uh, put on the, the IL. And then you see all the stuff with Stroman, like it seems like they're going to trade him. I don't know if the Twins, like if I'm doing it, like I would like the thing with, with Will Smith and, and Bumgarner is try to get two guys together. To kind of alleviate yeah. like trading prospects for relievers type of thing. Um, totally, totally. And and I, I can t- I can tell you on that specific one, uh, there have not been conversations where Bumgarner and or not serious conversations where Bumgarner and Smith were put together as a package. That is not what the Giants have been looking to do. It makes makes sense on their part. Yeah, it doesn't make sense on my part as an armchair GM. The but. the mad bump thing, <laughs> the mad bump thing is pretty interesting too because I I don't know if it's an exact apples to to apples, but you could make a case that okay, he's not the same guy he was five years ago. But what if a different organization got their hands on him, kind of like the Astros getting their hands on Justin yep. Verlander? How much if if you're if you're looking at this version of Madison Bumgarner, you might say, well, he's not better than Barrios. Where does he slot in? But if you look at what you could turn him into, he's only 29, right, Jeff? Uh, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. And uh, the only question is, how receptive will Madison Bumgarner be to something like that? And I think the answer is Madison Bumgarner is a competitor, and he wants to win, and he wants to be with teams that are going to win. And so uh, the the notion that he would shut things down just because he's kind of a red ass, uh, I just don't find to be very compelling. I think if he were to if he were to wind up in a place that really could speak to him and to his strengths and and maybe his weaknesses that he could improve, that there's more in the tank there. And and beyond that, uh, when you go and trade for a guy like Bumgarner, you're not trading for him. You're sort of trading for him July, you know, August, September. You're really trading for him for October and having a guy out there uh, who has done it. And I understand past performance does not equal future performance. I also understand that the playoffs are an entirely different beast and that when you have somebody who can walk onto the mound saying, uh, I've thrown a shutout in a wild card game, and you have someone who can walk onto the mound saying, I've thrown six innings on one day rest to lock down a World Series, there's something very, very compelling there. Jeff, it's Derek Wetmore here. You, you talked about the receptiveness and sort of the openness to change. Um, we're dealing with that in Minnesota here really in the first year under Wes Johnson. Um, from a mm-hmm. national perspective, what has been, I suppose, that uh, – I, what do you think of the Twins and their pitching plan and how they've been able to get the most out of out of guys who, frankly, had bad years last year and having good years this year? I think Wes Johnson's doing a really solid job. I have not seen enough firsthand to, to be able to say exactly what he's doing, but I will say this. Cleveland has had the greatest run I can remember of developing starting pitching. It goes back to when they traded for Carlos Carrasco and and turned his raw stuff into something. It goes back to to Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber. 
Um, you, you're seeing it today with Shane Bieber and with Zach Plesak and Aaron Savali. Um, it goes on and on and on. And Derek Falvey was at the absolute forefront of that. Derek Falvey was in the middle of everything when it came to pitching with the Indians organization. And the idea that he cannot replicate that in Minnesota, I think, is silly. In fact, I think that's exactly one of his, his priorities there, to make that place a factory for pitchers. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN is with us here. Glenn Perkins on baseball on the Scorner Twin Show. Uh, this might, I mean, if this might be a stretch of a question with a month to go before the trade deadline, but do you think the Twins are willing to trade one of their top two or three prospects in the next month? Oh, boy. I mean, they're not trading Royce Lewis. They're not trading Alex Kirilov. I don't know if anyone is going to want Grotterol right now when he's hurt. I, I, I need some help here. Is it Balazovic or Balazovic? Your guess is as good of, as good as is ours. This, on the, it's one of those names we read all the time, but have never heard it pronounced. Is that? Uh, yeah, I, I honestly didn't even know. Is that guy on your kids' team, or is he on the? Is he, is he a Twins prospect? He he is not just a Twins prospect. He's really, really, really good. Like if you don't know who Jordan Balazovic I got Yeah, I have to do. I guess I got to do a little more research. Yeah, you gotta you gotta up the knowledge there, buddy. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey, I was the first one to see Gratterall, and and I, I started talking about him a couple of years ago. So I got I have a little bit of leeway. Bala, Bala, whatever his last name is, um, he's six four. Uh, you know, goes like one ninety two hundred. Uh, he was a fifth round pick back in two thousand sixteen out of Canada, and he's just got. So he's got he's a three pitch mix, got fastball, slider, changeup, and they're all good pitches. And beyond that. There's really good command there. Uh, I think he's he's pitched something like 60 innings this year. He's got like 90 strikeouts and 15 walks, um, and he and he's jumped up from A ball to high A and has seen really no dip in performance. He's he is a big time pop up guy, and every team is going to be asking for him because he's someone who you know you give him another another year maybe two. He's in the big leagues and he's only 20 now. He doesn't turn 21 until September. That's fascinating. And it leads me to actually an interesting question that's come up around here, which is that if the Twins are able to to sort of mine this prospect depth that they have, does that yep. maybe even mitigate the loss of a prospect, knowing that, hey, we're pretty good at identifying these guys and developing them? Or is that maybe overstating just to help us assuage our fears of getting rid of prospects? No, I think that's a completely reasonable perspective to have and also an extremely arrogant one but it's all it's <laughs> arrogance. It's, you know what though it's it's arrogance that i don't mind it's how you need to approach player development right you need to say that we have the processes in place to do this consistently and that if we don't we're not doing our jobs so if you don't have that mindset then, then you're simply not approaching things the right way. You can't make prospects uh, a guessing game. You need to have a science there. And I understand that assigning science to baseball 
can be an extraordinarily difficult thing. But at the same time, if if you don't approach it that way, you're doing it wrong. Well, and so I, this is kind of digging up some old stuff on you, but you wrote the book The Arm and, and talked about arm injuries and pitcher injuries and how hard it is to predict those, how hard it is to keep those guys healthy. You know, I, I, like I, I said a couple weeks ago, I would be willing to trade Royce Lewis if you were getting something back that was going to benefit you over a multitude of years. To oh, kind man. of alleviate it's gotta that, lot, it's got to be a lot of years. Yep, and so, but you know, so and then I just finished reading that MVP machine, and so Derek Fell was in there a lot about developing pictures and talking about what they do. I guess I, what I'm saying is that maybe I would be more inclined to to trade a pitcher, especially a guy maybe even if he is 20 years old in high A. The volatility is so much greater, so that's probably a safer yeah. bet if you're going to try to get a guy. You know, I mean, isn't that even like what Theo Epstein said a long time ago was, we're going to build a core of hitters and then we're going to go buy pitching. Go buy pitching, absolutely. And I, I think the thing is teams who are trading for pitchers also recognize that and, and they take the value down a tick because of that. It's almost like if you have a pitcher and a hitter who are seen as about the same in terms of prospect value, you are always, always going to take the hitter over him because he's a sure thing. And if they're seen the same as prospect value, the upside of the pitcher might actually be higher uh, because you just have to account for injury. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff, thank you for elevating what usually is reckless speculation around here to actual educated speculation. We really appreciate the time. Listen, uh, anything I can do to class up this joint, I am happy to do it. <laughs> you introduced me to a new Twins prospect that I'm going to learn all about this afternoon. So thank you for that, and uh, thank yeah, you for joining. Yeah, once you, once, you do that, once you do that, I guarantee I'm going to get a text from you that says, <laughs> holy S, this guy is good. You've yeah. some scouts about him, too. You, you know people, man. I do. Uh, I, I, I feel like, I feel like uh, the guy who knows the good indie band before it blows up <laughs> yeah. and, and tells everyone about it. Jordan Belazovic, whatever. Can you, you know what? Can you find out how to pronounce the name? That's actually what I'm more curious about. Okay. That's the homework, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll do that. We don't care what pitches he throws. We just need to know how to pronounce it. All right, I got one, one, <laughs> one last quick thing then. If you're the indie guy, what's the best barbecue joint in Kansas City now? I know that you spend more time in Bristol and, and, and over on the East Coast, but uh, we, we used to enjoy our uh, Jack Stack. It, where, where are you going now? Uh, Joe's is always the safe bet, uh, and Jack Stack is wonderful, but there's an, it's not new anymore, but there's a place called Slaps that is fantastic. And I know you don't come to Kansas City anymore because you sold out and retired, but, uh, and, and you're sitting in your shop woodworking all day, and, and I get that, and I'm supremely jealous of you, but... If ever you make it down to Kansas City, we will go on a big barbecue tour, and you can bring some of your homebrew down, and it'll be perfect. Perfect. That's a fair trade. Slaps it is. All right. Uh, that's it. Jeff Passan, thank you very much. Uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. All right, boys. Take care. Right, Have a good thanks, one. Jeff. Appreciate it. My baseball friends, Mackie here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Business owners, I'm talking to you, and I've been one myself. I know what goes into it. You love it, but you're grinding every day, solving problems, taking care of employees. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect you. Earth Twin Shell. Bomba.
on Score North and scorenorth.com. Also available on demand on the Score North mobile app, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to the Score North Twins Show. This is Glenn Perkins on baseball. The Score North first place Twins Show. Yeah, I there guess you go. We're still calling it that. Yeah, since they are still in first place. Is it being recorded live from the Bomba Bus, Derek? <laughs> this is not the Bomba Bus, but we are in Bomba Soda. Okay, home of the Bomba Squad. Yes. Land that's, of ten thousand. That's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Uh, last segment we had we had uh, ESPN. I don't even know was it. He's probably senior baseball analyst or something like that. Whatever his title is, yeah. I'm not sure. Jeff Passan, all around great dude. Uh, had some good stuff. I mean, he's pretty dang plugged in. Like he was with Yahoo forever, and he's still in in KC. But he's like he he's he's gotten himself like into a pretty good spot with some sources and that. And so he brought up uh, kind of shot down. Bumgarner, in a way, at the same time saying, you know what, they've actually been talking to the Giants about Will Smith. Yeah. Not that Will Smith, the other Will Smith. I mean, I like either one of them, to be honest. I would I would take the actor. It would be it would be it would be fun to watch the actor throw left handed. But he also For like Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Great baseball movie, by the no. way. No. <laughs> but he also he one thing to not overlook in all of the Mad Bum and Will. I think what he said was Will Smith is the centerpiece right now that they're talking to, but it doesn't mean that they might not circle back on Mad Bum. But he also said he doesn't think they're trading Royce Lewis or Alex Kirilov. So now maybe they move off that in three weeks when. Yeah, and I mean when we've been down this road, I don't, I don't, I don't do that for him either. I mean I don't know how far down the list. I mean. But present day Bumgarner is like a he's like a three prospect, but like maybe one back half of the top ten, and then like two in you know above twenty maybe. Yeah, for me. But that's and the other fascinating thing he brought up is is would he be open to some change adjustments? So I didn't even think about that, guys. Never, I just thought like the of whole course. time. The whole time you and I have been kind of trashing Bumgarner. Yeah, you don't see it. Not trashing him, but like, hey, yeah, it doesn't really move the needle. Yeah, like, he's not huge. Yeah, not everyone can see this as clearly it, as I have seen easy, it the last few but, weeks. But, and that's okay. But, you guys aren't on my level. Over here like, like, well, yeah, but the whole time I've been talking about when the Astros got Verlander and he just led the league in, in earned runs allowed and most hits allowed. And, <laughs> like, Phil's Phil's revisioning only part of history. Here. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I, I see them kind of in the same light as as far as attitude or you know uh, they're red asses like surliness right? yeah and so Verlander goes down and the dudes won an MVP a Cy Young or two uh, pitched in the World Series already been in the big leagues for 10, 11, 12 years whatever it is and uh, kind of complete that doesn't completely revamp his stuff but they're like hey stop throwing two seamers your your two seamer stinks throw more four seamers um. Pretty fascinating adjustments that he made late in career. A guy that that was known as yeah a red ass, and Bumgarner I don't think ever had the peak stuff either. That Verla. I mean that's the other important thing maybe to note. Sure, is that those two guys when they were at their very best, it still wasn't close. Yeah. I mean Verlander was way better, but again you start seeing it from that side like hey yeah maybe he can, and I think you tweeted something about it that he's he would be coming from an organization that. Basically, excuse analytics. Like, I mean, they, 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 just, not anymore going forward because Farhan Zaidi, I yeah, think, is a new GM. But yeah. like, 
the my, like the tweet I had yesterday was it's amazing. I think the Giants and the Tigers played each other in a World Series like six years ago, and not that long ago. And the, when you look at baseball a few years ago, and the Giants and the Tigers were kind of at the I don't know about, about the forefront of analytics, but they were definitely at the top of American League and National League. And now those teams are, if you're ranking teams based on forward thinking, state of the franchise, one through 30, they're bottom five or six, both of them. And I just think, I think the Twins, I'm not going to say the Twins are on the Astros level yet because the Astros have won a World Series and they're proven and the Red Sox and the Cubs. But the Twins are definitely closer to the top five in terms of being progressive and, and, and getting more out of pitchers. And I would be curious if Madison Bumgarner was open to that kind of Hey, we want we want to tinker with a couple things with your pitch mix. We think we can get you a couple extra miles an hour if you do this. If you if you just let us get our hands on you, we think we can turn you into the guy or close to the guy that that was winning a World Series MVP five years ago. From his perspective, and I know that you like you can't put yourself in his cleats specifically, but if you're established and you're still good, you're not dominant like you were, and you're going somewhere for a few months, what would have to happen for you to trust them? In their message being delivered to you. it's that's tough. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. I would worry about that. I think in the, in that case with him, you almost don't make the deal unless you know that's part of it. Yeah, and and I so I don't know how you go about that. I mean, can you know? Does Derek get to talk to Madison and be like, "Hey, this is what we want to do," and sure, yeah, like you know. might be sol in that case, <laughs> yeah. but um, you know, and I I don't know if Bumgarner sees like the writing on the wall or like, hey, you know, I'm not as good as I was a couple years ago. I mean, he does the he's only 29 or whatever. He's gonna be maybe 30. Verlander was 34 when he got traded, but there's a lot of aren't miles on Bumgarner's arm, I and mean, we've talked about that. That he's been in the big leagues for stinking 10, 11 years now, throwing a lot of innings and and a couple little small injury things. But I mean, I don't know. I guess if if he was again, I, I don't think there's any way to find out. Realistically, but like if you want to trade for him, maybe you just think you can get to him. Yeah. Well, let's use the Ryan Presley example because Houston would be considered the model for this. But I think the Twins are either trending in that direction or they're right now. And that's, that's lofty, lofty I think they're there on the pitching side. Yeah. I do. And that's what I'm talking about. But Ryan Presley can hear this message from the Quants and from his pitching coach and from his bullpen coach. And it's like, you know, please do this because we think it's going to work. And here's this guy over here who didn't play in the big leagues, but he's crunched the numbers, da-da-da. But then Ryan Presley goes to Houston, and Justin Verlander can pull him aside. I don't know that this happened, but I'm just saying. He can be like, hey, man, um, no, this dude didn't play in the big leagues, but he knows his stuff. He helped me rejuvenate my career and become Justin Verlander 2.0. He helped Charlie Morton. He helped Colin McHugh. Like, this stuff is real, and it matters, and it can help your game get to the next level. I, I don't know if you have that same kind of credibility in Minnesota yet because the World Series winning Astros earned that cachet that year. Yeah, and they I mean you see what they did with Martin Perez, which is hasn't been as good lately. So like I, you know, they don't have a Verlander thing. But I just finished reading the MVP machine. Sure. And there is that story about Presley. He's like, Yeah, when I got traded, like the day I got there, I was like putting stuff in my locker and they called me in and there's like six dudes in there. And basically it was like, hey, this is what, you, what we want you to do. And the reason we want you to do this is because, you know, a year ago, Justin Verlander was sitting in this chair and when we told him, this is what we want you to do. Wow. And so, he they, did it. so they use Justin Verlander yeah. as validation. And so Presley yeah, says huge. in the book, like, 
if they did it for him, how dumb would I be to not buy into this too? Like, See, I love it. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect. So I didn't even know that. It, 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 the twins at some point. I don't know if they're going to get a Verlander level reference point, but the twins need to pile up reference points yeah. like that so they can say, "Hey, look, look at this. This this works." I, and they, I mean, they can, they, have, they can make a claim. They can make a claim with Odorizzi. Yep. You know, and wins aren't everything. Wins aren't that sure. important at all. But it is somewhat of a barometer. He's got ten this year, and he's he's a career high eleven. Like. Yeah, he's on a better team. All those things, more runs scored, but like it's still shows, like he's pitching. Definitely, I mean, he's having his, uh, the best year of his career. Yes, and and so that's a guy that they can point to a little bit. Kyle I think. Gibson. I think Gibson is another guy. Taylor Rogers, you could um, point to. Tyler Duffy recently, and even what they had, what they did do, like while Martin Perez was one of the best pitchers in the AL, like that basically came from them. Like yeah. they did all that, like you know, throw less two seamers, throw more four seamers. Mm-hmm. Let's throw a cutter instead of a curveball, and you know. So you, 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 they have some. It's just they definitely. I mean, nobody has. <laughs> nobody else can say we rebuilt Justin Verlander right. other than the Astros. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so what are you going to trade for Max Scherzer and <laughs> have him blast to the moon? Then great, there's your credibility. So the the book you're talking about is the MVP machine. And uh, it's you just it's Ben Lindbergh and who else was the uh, Travis, Travis Sochik was Sochik, Sochik, okay. yeah, he, he wrote words. another book that was actually a, a pretty good about the Pirates um, that I read a long time ago. What did you learn about? So, and I haven't read the book yet, but but you and Jeff were talking last night. I'll segment. buy. So it, I'm going to buy the book for both you guys, and that'll be homework, in. and then we'll do a. <laughs> it's a long book. It's I'm a in. long book. We should do a baseball was, book club. He was in the first chapter. And, and a lot of the book revolves around Trevor Bauer. I mean, he's for sure the central character. It's a Trevor Bauer kind of uh, combination of driveline and what they're doing with pitching, and then this this hitting coach dude out in L.A. Uh, Lada, Lada, something L.A. Okay. T.T.A. Whatever. Um, that kind of he did J.D. Worked, Martinez. J.D. Right? Martinez, okay. Mookie Betts. He worked with Mookie Betts, um, and uh, so it kind of follows. Uh, Trevor Bauer's journey to be from being Golden Spikes, but guy that nobody liked, to kind of building his way into the pitcher that he is now. And so, like when the Indians traded for him, he was down at the Texas Baseball Ranch. He hadn't met Driveline Dude yet, and uh, Derek and some like a couple other. I think I don't know if Chris Antonetti was still there. Whoever, okay. whoever the, the guys, the kind of it was Felly, and then the guys that that were in charge of the Indians at the time all went down there and like hung out there for like a week to watch what he was doing and learn. Like not to say like, hey, this isn't how we do it here. You're really adamant about this stuff. We want to learn more about it. And that's kind of been Derek's thing since he's since he's come to the Twins. Is like. I want more information. I want diversity in information. So if you know wherever it comes from, if it comes from a, you know a a, a strength coach, or if it comes from a player, or if it comes from a you know maybe it's a maybe it's a hitting coach saying something about a pitcher that he sees, whatever. Like the more information you, so they went down to the to the Texas Baseball Ranch and and stayed there with Bauer and like yeah. learned about it. And so they started doing some weighted, the organization started doing some weighted ball stuff. And they were doing a little bit, but like saw the intensity that guys were doing it and ramped, ended up ramping that up even more. Do weighted balls lead to more surgeries? No. There, like there's no, there's a, there's some data in the book, but I, I, I don't, I don't believe so. And I, as a matter of fact, I, I don't think it makes any difference. All it might even be a, a hair on the, on the left side. You just try the, the theory behind it is you're training different muscles. You're, yeah. you're, 
accelerators, decelerators, and you're stretching the limits of how far, like, the theory is that your your brain is only going to let your arm rotate as fast as it thinks that it can slow it down. So I'm not going to, your brain's going to say, I'm not going to let your arm spin at, you know, 100,000 RPMs when I can only slow it down at 60,000. And so these the weighted ball stuff is supposed to teach your body the, the like, like expand the limits of of your internal rotation external rotation how fast your arm can spin all those things yeah and strengthen those muscles at the same time i think one one of the biggest questions that uh when Derek Falvey got hired and this is the question with with Gerson Rosas with the Rockets coming over to the Timberwolves anytime you hire someone that was part of a successful organization you want to know were they a key cog in the reason why that thing was successful, or were they just was it was it uh, proximity to success? Right? Did you did you just hire someone because they worked at Google, or did you hire someone that actually had a meaningful role in building Google? Right. So from everything that like, you you've had a bunch of conversations with Derek, and you've read a book that he's prominently featured, and now we've seen the product on the field. Is it fair to say that he was? He was a key cog in the Indians pitching success. I think there's no question about that. Okay. I mean, every, I think that, like Jeff said that in the first segment, and that's in the in the book. I mean, he he that that's his thing. Like he's he's in the book a self described pitching nerd, mm-hmm. and that's why he was so excited to to get Bauer and to talk to Bauer because he's like, we, you know, we're we're on the same level here, same wavelength. Um, and you can see it in in some of the stuff that he's done. And and it's even um, you know we've talked about with Kyle Gibson that that Gibby went to the Florida baseball ranch a couple years ago. That's where Verlander had first gone. Wes Johnson was one of the guys that helped write their program. And so like I'm sure at some point Derek probably you know he probably already knew about the Florida baseball ranch. I'm sure he did. He probably knew who Wes Johnson was. Then he he comes to an organization that's Kyle Gibson. Kyle Gibson starts to get a little better. He's like, yeah, this is this is what I did. Derek's like, oh, I've heard of that. We should look into it a little more. Who did this program? This is really cool. Oh, it was Wes Johnson. He helped out with it. Hey, let's figure out this guy. What's he doing at Arkansas? Oh my gosh, look at what he's doing at Arkansas, taking you know middling recruits and and turning them into to better players. That kind of so like you follow those lines, and that's like he's not afraid to go down any rabbit hole, even if it's even if it's just but. If it's just a small, if it's if it's a half a win a year, or a you know, or a win a year, but then you do that, you f- you find five or six or seven or eight different ways to gain yourself a quarter of a win or a half a win, and then you got four or five six wins and it makes a big difference. That's in the long right. Run. Well, ten years ago, I think in baseball, first of all, just to answer your question from my perspective, two and a half years into the Derek Falvey run, Twins, I think beyond the shadow of a doubt, he is was a key cog in Cleveland and now is in Minnesota. This isn't random from my perspective. But the interesting thing you just said about Wes Johnson, Glenn, is 10 years ago in baseball, you might have gone down that same rabbit hole and said, oh, this guy was at Dallas Baptist and like helped develop some big leaguers at a school that shouldn't have them. All due respect. But like, oh, he was a co- He didn't have any major... He didn't pitch in the big leagues. All right. I don't... It's nothing yeah. we could do here. Yeah. But now, now, and it's not just the twins that are credited with this, of course, um, Milwaukee and Chicago and 
just pushing the envelope on what is a pitching coach and what is a pitching plan organizationally. Now it's like, yeah, okay, we'll take this. It's is it a risk because he's never been a big league pitching coach and there's never been someone direct. It's not for a college. Risk. It's not a risk though because of that. No, but in ten years ago, baseball yeah. might have seen that as a risk because it's new. And now I think baseball is like, I don't yeah. care if it's new. Is this the way to go? Let's this do the, it. This is the guy that we want teaching our pitchers. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I fascinating stuff and, and get us those MVP machine books. We will read them and we will do a a score North twin show book club. Yeah, we'll I do Moneyball. Nice. We'll do the MVP machine. I read it. I read it uh, on an ebook, and I'm kind of bummed that I did because there was a ton of stuff that Sean I wanted to up. highlight. Yeah. Um, I think you so can I highlight might, it in your book, can't you? It's <laughs> not just like a highlighter I try, Yeah, I have like highlighter marks on my screen now, so yeah. when, I, when I try to play... <laughs> when you scroll down, it changes. When I'm trying to play like Blockus on my phone, now like there's an extra color. And You're it's, not supposed to use an actual highlighter. <laughs> God. Uh, I didn't know that you could highlight stuff in it, but I, I'll probably just reread it. It was a, it's a, it's a, Honestly, it's a really fascinating book. I think that yeah. might be down the line to, to get those guys on and talk about it. Like They did some serious... Stinking research for this book. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, yeah, cool stuff. Speaking of pitching, by the way, let's do a deep dive into Jose Barrios. Fangraphs has an article basically making a case for Jose Barrios as a Cy Young Award winner, and Glenn Perkins has some thoughts on that. It's the Score North Twin Show. Wetmore's here. Mackie, Glenn Perkins on baseball. And a baseball and everything you need to know about how baseball works. And it might get a little crazy, but let's get straight to it. Whoever scores the most runs wins. It's the Score North Twin Show. Twins Twins coverage on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. This copyrighted show is presented by Authority of the Office of Score North. It may not be reproduced or retransmitted in any form, and the accounts and descriptions of this show may not be disseminated without the express written consent of Phil Mackey and Score North. Thank you, Glenn Perkins. Yeah. This is the first place Score North Twin Show. Glenn Perkins is the host. Phil Mackey, Derek Wetmore hanging out. And uh, you found a really interesting piece on Fangraphs.com. Headline, the Cy Young Award is attainable for Jose Barrios. Jose Barrios can win the Cy Young Award. Now, there's a lot of other guys in the American League, starting pitchers, that would uh, raise their hand and say, ah, I'm still here. Justin Verlander would raise his hand and say, I'm, I'm still here. Remember me? <laughs> yep. Uh, there's probably some, I mean, right now, if you want to go real into the weeds, the league leader among pitchers in wins above replacement, you guys want to take a guess? Maybe you've already looked this up. I have not. Um, uh, well, let's we each get a crack at it. Sure. <laughs> I'm waiting for you, Derek. I got I'm one stumped. in my head. We're doing American League. Yes. This 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 pitcher leads the American League in complete games, earned run average, ERA plus, complete games. I mean, it's only two. 2019. That's bunch a of, lot, bunch of sissies. Right? That's a lot. Now. Not pitching deep into games. <laughs> Uh, well, back in my day, I, the recency bias in me wants to guess Charlie Morton. Is it Charlie Morton? You're in the right neighborhood of pitcher types. You're in the right like, you're in the right zip code. You're in the right division. I think. Uh, so I was gonna, I was gonna say Stroman. Wait, wait, but team? I don't have any idea what kind of year he's having at all. I know that he's been pretty good, but Mike Miner. Oh, oh my gosh, he's the Rangers. Yeah. He just do another complete game the other night. Yeah, Mike Miner is having a ridiculous season right now. So Mike Miner missed two years. He pitched for Atlanta for the first part of his career. 
And 2015-16, he was just out, surgeries, and... Uh, Shoulder. A couple came, shoulder jobs. Came back with Kansas City in a reliever role in 2017 and was good. And then Texas turned him into a starter the last couple of years, and yeah. here he is. It's like, when you say Mike Miner, I forgot that that's the Braves guy, because it's like he's been three different pitchers in yeah. his career. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But what did you learn, and what are your thoughts on Jose Barrios? So it's just, I mean, first of all, it was a fascinating article just because it's about a twin, and you don't, you know, typically don't see a ton of twin stuff on fan graphs, like, you know, not being. You will now. Yeah. Not not being analytically driven for so long, you kind of don't really get on the analytical website. But Craig Edwards wrote this this article, The Scion War is Attainable for Jose Barrios. I thought it was fascinating in that. So, like, typically you'd write, sorry, you'd, you'd read the headline and be like, oh, man, he must really be doing awesome. And he's kind of highlighted some stuff that he isn't doing as well this year that he did last year, but he's having a better year. Okay. If that makes sense. So, like, it's kind of like a blueprint in a way for how, how do you get Jose Barrios to be a little bit better, like, there was some things he did last year that were better, like his breaking ball. Stuff that he's doing better this year against left-handers. Uh, and he always had been kind of, like we talked about this, I think, pre-show or in between segments, how he was had been a little bit erratic, like a little bit afraid to come in the strike zone. Yes. He's kind of gone, like, the complete other way. It'd be fascinating to talk to Wes Johnson and see how much of this is stuff that, that they've instituted or implemented and then and how much of stuff that, that Jose Barrios has, has wanted to do. Because like the the one fascinating thing is, and and I, I think that part of what's made his adjustment better, uh, and and made him more successful, he doesn't have like the blow up thing, you know. Like it, there was seasons past where he would have uh, an outing where it like he'd be cruising for a couple of innings and then something would he'd hit a road bump and then it was just it was expl- like, like five runs, forget yeah. about it, yeah. you know. <laughs> and so he's been able to make adjustments. He bring up. In, in a game, and I remember when Barrows threw this game uh, against the Red Sox with the with the curveball. His curveball hasn't been great, and that's kind of highlighted in this article a little bit, the location of it. Um, but he kind of just went away from it. Like he realized, like, hey, this isn't this isn't working for me today, and I don't think it's been working great for him really since his first couple starts of the year. It yeah, hasn't well. had so like they point out in this in this article. I obviously can't show location on the radio, but. He's been more in the zone this year, so it's been more curveballs down and away to lefties uh, in the strike zone versus in the dirt. So he's not getting as many swinging strikes. Now, they they write this article, and I think I've watched him more, and so what I see is a, a breaking ball that's not breaking as sharp or as much. Now, I know, Derek, you see, if, I mean, we, we all see him a lot. That's what I've seen. From him, so I think you know they say in this article, "Hey, throw more curveballs because your curveball is effective." I feel like he's gone away from it in a way. Yeah, the my perception, it hasn't been. my perception is, and this I don't have the data to back this up, but like you're dead on. The Red Sox game, I'm trying to think: is this a Barrio saying like, "Ah, the curve isn't as sharp today," or is it Jason Castro sitting back there and being like, "Look, your changeup's filthy. Let's just let's yeah. go with that," or Wes Johnson in the dugout or whatever. What I perceive, and I don't have the data to back this up, but it's that Barrios has taken this strike zone of his, which was far and wide, the two-seamer that run all over the planet, the curve that would start at your eyes and end up on your shoe tops, and he's reined it in. He's really shrunk that area where his pitches end up, if that makes any sense. like He's not 
He's not stretching as far anymore. I think that's with the two-seamer. I think that's with the curve. He's just, he's reined it in, and, and now he's in the strike zone more. They're not as nasty, but they're, yeah. they're strikes more often. I actually have, I've, I've got some, I love going in the weeds like that. I love that like, the three of us are just huge baseball nerds, and hopefully hopefully there's some baseball nerds out there that are also following along on Jose Barrios' Fangraphs stat page right now. Because if you look deep into what Glenn was talking about, this year compared to his rookie year, He's throwing about half of his pitches in the zone, according to Fangraphs. It was only about forty percent, and there's a big. You might think, well, forty to fifty percent—that's not that big of a, it is. When it also doesn't seem like fifty percent is that many, but it, that's a lot. But for him, compared to where he was yeah. a few years ago, you know, that's an extra 10, 15 pitches in an outing that might be in the zone versus out of the zone. And I, my question to you is, and I, I remember one time I had a conversation with your friend Brian Dunsing like seven years ago. When I covered the beat as a as a writer for fifteen com, and I was asking him like he he went I think he pitched a shutout or something as a starter and he was just sort of befuddled after the game as to how like man you just had your best outing ever it was Fourth of July weekend and man tell us what you what were you throwing out there et cetera et cetera and he was like honestly I don't know how I gave up no runs over nine innings I don't have great stuff really compared to other major league pitchers like he's such an Eeyore and he goes I'll never forget this he goes. But I just sort of think to myself, if I throw the ball over the plate, they're still probably going to get out because I'm going to win like 70 or 80% of the time, even if they hit the ball. So I just throw it over the plate. And you compare that and compare Brian Dunsing's stuff and mindset to, let's say, Francisco Liriano around the same time. His stuff, he's driving a Ferrari. Dunsing's driving a Corolla, right? Yeah. And 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 I love Corollas. I've had one. Luther Brooklyn, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, I was waiting for that. And 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 I remember how frustrated the Twins were with Liriano. Like, dude, throw the ball over. And at one point, I think they had catchers literally sitting down the middle of the plate, yeah. just telling him throw the ball over the plate. Like, it's, it's it must be trippy mentally if you're not. I don't know. But that but that's not always the solution. Like that's that's what the, that's what's in this article, and they talk about it, is like. Because it's in the zone more, it's less effective. Like your pitch is more effective, and and, it, and you you back it up with a fastball in the strike zone, right? So you can throw your fastball in the strike zone, but then you want to throw your breaking ball not in the strike zone because the breaking ball is already hard to hit. It's definitely harder to hit when it's not in the strike zone, and they can't recognize that it's not going to be in the strike zone. Like so, you you still don't want to like you don't want to throw every pitch in the strike zone. Sure, and, and that's. You know, they 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 talk about in the article like kind of the adjustment. Like he he had, so he says Bears cave his six homer up on the curve on May thirteenth with five of those homers coming against right-handers. So he was hanging. And there, there's a there's a gif in there of, of Alex Bregman hitting a hanging one, and like that's kind of the one that we've seen. Like his first couple starts of the season, it was freaking sharp and like unbelievable, and it's kind of started to really like just not have like that that snap, and so. He gives it the five homers or six homers, five to righties. At that time, he's throwing his curve forty-one percent of the time to righties. Since then, he's reduced his usage to thirty-three percent. Hasn't given up a homer on the pitch since. Though the actual actual effectiveness of the pitch is arguably worse with using it less. Yeah. And so, like that's like in a way they're eliminating that one. So I don't know. Like the whole article is just it's a fascinating read to me because like the headlines is one thing, and then you start reading about it. And I think it, it comes a little bit from somebody that, that definitely hasn't watched Barrios as much as we have. But, like, also, as good as he's been, like... 
There's more. There's more. There's another level. Right. That's and scary. So, like, and the twins, are, the twins can unlock that. And they, they and they're, they're going to figure that they'll figure this stuff out. And that's I think that's pretty cool that like you talk about the the trade deadline and and the guys that they need to get and they already do have one guy that's pretty stinking good. Like he's getting some traction as a you know a guy that if he can if he's he's really close to maximizing his potential. Yeah. It, it, like he's not far away. Like. He needs to combine a little bit of what he's done this year with a little bit of what he did last year, yeah. and he's got a shot to be the best pitcher in the game. I mean, he's on pace for a for a, a five and change win season this year. How does a human being throw a changeup that looks like a fastball out of his arm, like twenty miles an hour slower? Like some of these, there was a was it a, an Indians left uh, Indians left handed hitter. Yeah. Literally, like, I think it was Bowers. It was like a 74-mile-an-hour changeup, and Barrios kind of looked over and smiled at him, and the hitter was like, what? what? <laughs> how do you, like, how, did you, you didn't really throw many changeups, uh-uh. especially as a reliever, but, like, how, like, Johan Santana's I mean, changeup was fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, and that's just a, it's a grip thing. Um, really, <clears throat> excuse me. Getting choked up thinking about <laughs> yeah. Johan's changeup. <laughs> Just think it was such a good <laughs> We're all a little misty on that. <laughs> that thing was so nasty. He should have stayed in when he had 17 strikeouts that one time. Um, it's, I mean, you know, some of that is, like, honestly seems. Now, I just finishing reading the MVP machine and talking about how Bauer designs, like, pitch design and that, like, seems like their theory was, like, none of this is get given, like, you know, with enough practice and enough high speed cameras that We're you all can, robots. that you can do this. People in baseball have legitimately told me that Trevor Bauer is the exceptional thing about him is his ability or willingness to work on this stuff as an yeah. athlete. Totally unexceptional. Well, they said he's like, I mean, he he's incredibly slow. He can't even jump 20 inches in the air. Yeah. Like, um, but like he does all these other things, you know, so whatever. Um, but it's like that. some of that stuff. I mean, back then there was none of this technology that people are using. It was it was God given. Like he just threw that that pitch and it and it did that. I mean, it's the same with Liriano yeah. slider. Like you'd ask him, how do you hold that thing? And he'd show you and he's like holding like a two seam fastball, like half the sliders in the big leagues. Yeah. And but yours just broke more. Like you know, again, we didn't know back then that thing had a, easily the highest spin rate in, in baseball. Yeah, like his Johan's changeup. I remembered he he could throw it. It was just it was a velocity drop changeup. It was he'd throw it up letter high and guys would still swing and miss because it's just like eleven miles an hour slower than a fastball. And Barrios almost looks like a screwball. Glenn and I were talking about that yeah. before the show. It, yeah, it's it looks got a like dive. he's throwing a screwball. Kyle Gibson's got a little bit of that dive and run too. But I just I think so much of it for Barrios, and some of these conclusions were in that Fangraphs article you referenced. Glenn. Yeah, I think so much of it is be in the strike zone, and your all of your stuff plays more. Yeah, we got to run, but this has been a super fun. If you if you guys missed the Jeff Passan interview, uh, if you're listening live right now on Score North and the Score North mobile app, go check it out beginning of the show and uh, give us a five-star rating if you like the Scorner Twin Show and uh, particularly these Glenn Perkins episodes. You can give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or download the Scorner mobile app and you can find all of our live, on-demand, and written content. All right. You going to go uh, blow some stuff up at the cabin or what's your story? Uh, no, I'm. Uh, we got a couple things going on this weekend, so Big I won't get back, I won't get back, back up till Sunday. Yeah, Dax Shepard uh, podcast on Saturday night at wow. the Orpheum. Sweet, awesome. So right on. All right, we'll see you guys next week. 
Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator skin. Man, I love Operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and 320 and 23.